0: Welcome to the Enlighten Up! Podcast. I'm Lisa Watson, and we'll be joined by my co-hosts Nicole Froelich and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up! Podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Lighten Up is a self-funded podcast, so if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes, or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop, where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast. Lisa Bryan and myself are here today with Amalea Jan-Karis, Caris, is a SEER multidimensional guide, sustainable lifestyle designer, author, and spiritual catalyst. She's been on the show before. If you've missed her, you'll want to check out episode 68 and listen to that because we talk about the uh, orgasm and negative entities in that episode. But today we've got um, um, Amalaya on and she has created the Know the Self Mystery School for Truth Seekers to achieve self-mastery. Her healing abilities and clear vision were forged during a series of shamanic initiations over a nine-year period that honed her multi-sensory awareness and crystallized her gifts. Her mission is to wake up your multidimensional potential. And if you're ready to be activated, she's here to guide you. She will unleash your genius, strip off old programs that have held you hostage, and create a safe place for you to remember your soul's ancient knowing. Amalea, welcome back to the show. How are you today? Hi,
2: thanks. I'm happy to be here with you guys again. I'm feeling
1: It's great to have yeah. you back.
2: I'm feeling good. It's such a beautiful day here. I'm in um, Mount Shasta and it's like a crisp but sunny morning. It's gorgeous.
1: Very nice. And you've got a huge transition going on in your life right now. You you're You're going down south. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, last year I came, I went to Mexico for just the win what I thought was going to be the winter. And then so much change happened in my life while I was there. Um, my best friend passed away, um, to cancer, uh, very suddenly. And, um, and I got bit in the face by a wolf on the, the whole, yeah, what? at the, during the full moon um, eclipse in January, uh, the blood wolf moon.
3: (laughs) Like like a real wolf or a figurative wolf? No, it
2: was a a husky wolf breed, um, but it just happened to be, it was just like a series of very strange events and initiations that really changed my life. So, it was funny because when I came home, I was like, Oh, there's a wolf, uh, in my house. And I knew he was going to be there. I, I was renting the room. I had a two bedroom apartment and I was renting one of the rooms to, um, a doctor who just comes up to that town, like twice a week. And he told me he had this dog and I used to raise huskies and wolves. So I was like, Oh, I want to meet your dog. And he just happened to bring it on that night. And, um, so when I came home, it was like one in the morning and I I see this dog in my house and I was like, oh, I have a wolf on the wolf moon. And I sat down and I was talking to uh, the mother of my friend who was in the midst of transition and there was like an emergency. So I sat in front of the dog and I was talking to the dog, like introducing myself and um it just nipped me in the eye, like right above my eye, on my eyebrow. It basically ate my eyebrow off. <laughs> but I didn't know.
1: I saw it on yeah, Facebook. I yeah, didn't even feel it. I saw that too. It
2: was really a wild um, experience. So anyway, that happened, and then um, I came. You know, I flew home for the funeral or the memorial, and um, I just couldn't be in California. I don't know. There was just something. I went back to Mexico and I was like, okay, well, I live here now. And so now I'm kind of cleaning up my storage and really basing myself in Mexico. And, um, yeah, big transitions, unexpected Mm transitions.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: How's your eyebrow now?
2: Oh, nobody even knows. Did you
0: get it put back on?
2: Yeah, I had to have, like, constructive surgery. It was like an hour and a half surgery just to like stitch it, and they had to. I had to go to a plastic surgeon. I had to find my own plastic surgeon. (laughs) It was a wild adventure, and the whole time I was kind of laughing because there's no, there was no sensation. It was just very um, surreal. Do you? I don't know if you guys have ever experienced like something kind of tragic happens, but the whole time, you know, you're being sort of initiated or guided into, it was just so synchronistic that I knew, you know, it was just a one more scar on my face. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have a portion of my eyebrows missing, like the middle is missing, but the, the guy did a really good job. So yeah, I just have like, and really fine scars above and below my eyebrow.
3: I have a scar through my eyebrow too.
2: Oh, good. We can be but
3: From a car accident long, long ago. You do.
0: It's through both eyebrows and the top of your nose. Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> Yeah, there's something about, you know, facial wounds that really, um, you know, that's our like soul point all around our face. And when we get... When we have a trauma to the face, I don't know. It's it's really fascinating. That's
3: how people know you're a badass.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, now the title kind of sticks, but it's funny.
1: Yeah. Well, how's the um, how's your know the self mystery school going? With and, you and working with with all your students and all of that.
2: Yeah. I um, last year, right before I went to Mexico, I I put my intro program as an online course so now people can join it at any time and sort of go through the program on their own which is not how I was running it before I was for the last three years I always ran it live Um, live meaning it was online but I was always teaching and um, that was a huge change and what's been really interesting is the students who've gone through the you know online course they are getting activated way faster than the students that I was <laughs> teaching. Oh. So some things happening you- where it's like sped up or the concentration of the activations are are even stronger in the recordings, which is really fascinating. So that's, Very.
1: Been,
2: yeah, it's been really fascinating because I wasn't sure it was going to translate properly. You know, I think that the way I teach is um, I, I read the energy of the people I'm sitting with, and then I give them the activation that's coming through for them. So I always, I wasn't sure it was going to work, like someone listening to the recording of those classes. But, um, but it's actually worked better than <laughs> the way I did it before. So my new students are... Um, are activating their gifts really fast. Um, Some of them faster than the students I've worked with for, for years. So that's been super fun for me. Like it's helped me. um, You know, I think sometimes I, I deal with getting burnt out. Like the activations are very energetic for me. And I often can feel like, I don't know, not drained, but it's, but it's a kind of draining feeling like, okay, that was a lot of energy. And now I just want to rest. Um, and so now I've found this way where I can still do this potent work without having to re- regenerate, regenerate, regenerate. So that's yeah, really not be so hands-on. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very free mm-hmm. and it's, it's allowed me this time, um, which I didn't know my friend was dying when I built that course, but it was like such a great, um, I don't know, foresight, I guess from my future self knowing like, Hey, you're going to need some time off. So it's allowed me a lot of time off to, um, to be in my process of, of grieving my, my friend and healing and, and just kind of, you know, rebuilding a life in another country. So so it's been good, and I've been focusing more on the retreats um, and starting to offer some deeper mastery programs for for the graduates. So it's it's been good, but I've taken a lot of uh, breaks since uh, last mm-hmm. fall, just to kind of yeah kind of recalibrate.
1: Well, I mean, when you have someone so close to you in your life, such as like a best friend pass away that's a very uh an event like that definitely impacts you in many ways that not any of us can really have foresight into and there's a lot of healing that usually happens during that time Uh, a lot of things shift in our life that we didn't realize would shift what's been kind of going on for you in your own healing process through the loss of your best friend
2: yeah she was like um a soul sister to me because, um, I think I've shared with you guys before with my, my family was, um, really dysfunctional and I've been estranged from my family pretty much since I was 17. Um, and that's been a good thing because it was a very, very toxic situation. So her and her mother, uh, she's raised by a single mom. They kind of adopted me like 20 years ago and, so, they've been more like family. So, it feels more like my sister, you know, past mm-hmm. than just a, a friend because she, we've lived together many times, traveled the world, um, so many experiences. She's been there for me through so many of my initiations and life changes. And, um, you know, I think when someone in our life that's really close to us, passes or someone that's related to us, even passes that we might not know. There's like a web that connects us all. And that when someone falls off, there's a hole and it has to get restitched. Like all the connections around that person um, that they were holding as a hub, that all has to be restitched. And, you know, grief, is a really strange process and that restitching that's invisible is a very uncomfortable process and I don't think anyone can ever be really prepared for how it's going to change their life um and so I've just been moving through that very surreal experience and I've been in California for like 3 weeks now and I could feel myself um not like like the, the, there was a block of me coming back because coming back here makes it real. Cause she's not here. Um, whereas when I was mm-hmm. in Mexico, I kept feeling like I'm on a trip or she's on a trip and her and I both have lived in many countries and go on a lot of international trips. So coming back right now, it's been, um, a process of like deepening into the, okay, she's really not here anymore. Um, she passed at the end of January, so it's like, a, yeah, I don't know it was Feb- in the beginning of February. It's just been a very, I don't know, tender time, and I'm, I'm noticing how I, mm-hmm. you know, the relationships that I do have that are super close, I, I feel myself um, holding tighter to the ones that I cherish and letting them know and, you know, spending more quality time with people and really changing the way I work. She was also a workaholic. She did a lot of good work. And I, I'm learning from her and how she got sick. You know, she was super healthy up until, you know, three, four months before she passed. Um, and it was just all of a sudden she started feeling unwell. And the next thing we knew she had stage four cancer and then she's getting emancipated and then, you know, emanciated, and then she just dies. So it was a very, uh, shocking and all consuming experience, uh, to watch and to witness. And it was right in the midst of all the fires. So it felt very apocalyptic and, um, oh, wow! You know, the sky was black and she was so skinny and it was just very, a very strange um, experience. And I think it'll continue to change me. I don't think that um, we ever really, you know, get over the loss of someone. It's more like we learn to move on.
1: Well, you know, grief and grief and loss are something that we all go through throughout our life at various points, and um, it it's a very interesting process uh, to go through because there's so many different emotions that come up, and it seems to be a bit of a roller coaster where you feel like you're letting go and it's all good, and then you feel like you're holding on super tight again, and there's just this process of putting up walls and breaking them back down and putting up walls and breaking them back down um, to some degree you know it, it's different for everyone but it's definitely it's 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 a very difficult process to go through and it definitely changes you it definitely changes you and I and like I I agree with you I don't think you ever fully get over the loss because if it's someone who's incredibly important to you and has made an Impactful uh, presence on your life, such as your best friend who you have known for so long and was literally family to you, then that's then that's something that always holds a special place in your heart. It's part of your foundation. So it's it's definitely a difficult and very tender process. Like you said, it's very tender uh, on the heart to to um, to overcome that that grief and loss and, and all of that. So I can totally understand why coming back to California brings up that reality for you. It brings up the reality of, of where you are right now and, and how you're moving forward and, and who's part of that journey and who's not. I think many of us, uh, many of us go through that, especially through any part of our journey. And with this, this idea of healing and family. I know you've been going through stuff with your f- current family, like your family. Uh, did you want to let the audience know like what kind of healing has been going on for you there with your family and and how that's shifting things for you and, and your work?
2: Yeah, sure. You know, I, I find, um, most of my life I've sort of, um, hidden the story of my family, one, because it's riddled with a lot of secrecy. Um, But two, because I was kind of embarrassed to, to let people know how, you know, what actually happened in my family or, you know, the different dysfunctions and um, abuse that happened and being in, in, you know, as a spiritual teacher and in the spiritual, communities, um, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure to like, fix the family or heal the family or be in contact with the family. And especially living in different cultures, you know, I lived in India for eight years, and now in Mexico, and those two cultures really revere the family, like everything revolves around family time, whereas in America, Mm. you know, I think it's less people don't talk about the family so much. You know, you can be, especially if you live in a metro area, um, people don't necessarily ask you like, oh, what's, how's your mom? How's your, do you have any siblings? Like it kind of comes up later when you get to know people deeply, but in countries like um, India and Mexico, it's sort of the first question. Like, (laughs) <laughs> where's your family? How, they want to know if you come from a good family. And I, you know, I found myself mm-hmm. always um, uncomfortable with those questions um, because I don't have a healthy family story. And if I talk about it, I always feel like it's such a downer or people, um, they either feel sorry for me or they think that something's wrong with me um, because, I come from that. And so it's just been this, I don't know, different levels of, of secrecy and shame around my family story. And um, I feel like I'm coming, you know, there's just so many layers of healing. So it's been a few years that I decided um, to just not speak to my family at all. Cause I was noticing that even though they're not in my life, I tend to um, attract people in my inner circle that play the role of the toxic people in my family. So, um, you know, my mother was extremely neglectful of me and has ignored me ever since I've, well, she's ignored me most of my life, but since I'm 17, um, I went away to college and to England as an exchange student. And I guess she just took that as like, um, I left her. So she just cut me out. And so since then, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm going to be 47 in a few weeks. And so since then she has never wished me a happy birthday or ever. She's never telephoned me. Um, she's just, if I want to talk to her, I have to call her. And so I've made all this effort to like, because I think I need to have a relationship with, with my mother, but I found that it was just so abusive again and again and again. Um, and even though, I don't know, somehow I was like bringing in attracting men that would be unavailable or not not able to communicate properly or, you know, it would would just keep seeping through um, with other people playing out that abusive role. And um, I really made a a shift like two years ago when I just became really clear how these different abuse patterns and there's, you know, there's a lot of abuse in the family and I'm not going to go into all the stories because it's quite, um, you know, I don't want to like bring us on that roller coaster, but I'm noticing how I had to make this shift. And so recently I've been um, really noticing like what it what it's caused me to do is have stronger and stronger boundaries with um, friends and clients and people that I allow in my life and. Um, and I'm seeing the healing. I'm seeing the healing from from having those boundaries. I think, you know, being in the spiritual world um, and studying spiritual science, there's these truths that we kind of cling to that become like spiritual bypassing. Like, you know, we should be inclusive of everyone and love everyone, but not everybody has a pure intention, you know? So I really went through that with my school where I was like letting anybody join the school who just had the... The desire to join and the money to pay the tuition. Um, but that didn't really work for me because I had people coming in that just wanted powers. And once they got them would try and like manipulate the, the other students or I've had people try and take over the school, you know, like really weird things that initially I was so naive um, thinking like, well, everybody's equal and we should love everybody. And Get, but then I realized, no, I need really strong boundaries. I've had a lot of, um, abusive people in my life. And I think when we, when we come from a story of abuse, those holes get, you know, where if, if you look at us like a vinyl record with grooves around like life experiences, um, when we have the abuse or trauma, the groove goes really deep. And, and so it's very easy for others like them to kind of fall into the hole and get in that groove. And it, it's really, uh, our responsibility to, to notice that and track that and, um, make like a positive new pattern and be like, no, I don't want that track. I'm going to change the track over here. And so I'm just noticing the refinement, uh, in my life around that. And unfortunately it's always, it's always a little bit, a bit painful, you know, when you have to realize, Oh, this other new friend I just let in my life is, is very manipulative and doing that thing. Um, just like my sister or my mother and um so I need to like kind of release the toxic ties once again, but the good thing is I'm finding it easier and easier and the the patterns you know the the imprint of the pattern is less and less like it's not as traumatic, it's not as disturbing um, as the initial wound, so <laughs> it's easier to kind of. Yeah, like just okay well here it is again but it's not as bad and I know what to do now and um,
1: mm. yeah. that that vinyl record um, example is really interesting I've never heard that one before and that makes so much sense to me because I mean I know not all of our audience has ever used records before but I think <laughs> the majority of our audience <laughs> remembers right, vinyl right. records um, hip hop brought them back <laughs> But I remember, you know, and you just think, oh, it keeps skipping. It's almost like when we talk about The Matrix, like a glitch in The Matrix, when you have that groove in the vinyl record, like it just keeps playing it over and over and over again. It can't go on to the next, you know, part of the record. And it that really kind of, that's a really good anchoring image for understanding trauma in our lives and how it programs us into repeating it over and over in various ways in our life.
0: And, what, and understanding, I think, have like the awareness that you've come to where you're seeing that, you know, you're the creator of your reality and you keep bringing these relationships back into your reality, you know, to teach you that it is rooted in you, you know, and that, that you do have to show up differently to change the program. Yeah. You have to show up with these relationships differently. You have to have better boundaries and, and change the way you're showing up and understand like, wow, I keep bringing these same types of situations back into my life. How can, how can I change? What do I need to do to change the groove, you know?
2: Yeah. To program. And and that, that saying, you know, like we create our own reality, which is a, a spiritual truth. But I think for someone who has a lot of trauma, you know, I know for myself, it was like, well, I must—I went through a phase where it was like, well, I must have deserved this. You know, what did I do to them in a karmic past life? So I did tons of past life regression to see, like, what have I done to deserve this horrible abuse and treatment? Um, and I see a lot of people who who've been victims to atrocities kind of go through that when they're trying to heal. Right? It's like, mm. The, the shame and the, I don't know, responsibility, like, well, it happened to me, so I must've deserved it. Um, but, you know, when you're a child and you're being sexually abused, like it's really hard to, um, to, to say, how can a child have created that? Right. So it, it creates um, that particular belief, which, which I do believe is true, also can create a lot of um, confusion and distortions and, and take people on this weird ride. And I, for me, you know, what you were saying, uh, Lisa, about just being the one who's responsible for changing it, like taking back the empowerment of it, like, okay, well now, now I know that that's happened. And how do I respond differently? Or how do I how do I create a life that I, I want to live. And for me, I've had to really focus on, you know, what, what is love? What does safety feel like? Like I didn't know what it was like to feel safe ever because I've never felt safe. You know, I've been in fight or flight since I was born. Um, There was just so much psychosis and, and mental illness, like, you know, just dysfunction Around me and in the the church that I grew up in, and all of that, it was so dysfunctional that I didn't know what safety felt like. Like I've been really um, reprogramming myself and my cells to to know safety, to know trust, to know what freedom feels like, to know what love actually feels like, and that's been the I don't know, the biggest healing for me in, in the reprogramming and I, you know, the thing is when we're, when we're abused um, and, and in these toxic situations, we can't heal by ourselves. Like the, the real heal, we can do a lot of work on our own, but the real healing happens in relation again. Right. Mm -hmm. Safe relationships. What's that? It,
0: It, it, it happens in safe relationships. Right.
2: But it has to be witnessed for it to be fully, you know, healed, like for the path, for the new pattern to actually stick, we have to have an experience that comes from, from a new community or a new group of people. Um, And it takes time, like anyone who's who's gone through a lot of abusive patterning and I know cause I counsel them. It's like, well, I keep attracting psychopaths or narcissists or I keep attracting this kind of abuse. It's like, yeah. And we have to find those signs and start watching and learning and like really restructure, um, at the magnetic level, how, how to notice like what is safety or what is, what is a healthy person feel like? Um, cause it can get very confusing and the dark patterns can get very, um, intelligent, you know,
0: you know, and mm-hmm. I think you, you made a really a, a good point about just feeling like, okay, what did I do to deserve this? You know, I was just a child and, and, saying that, you know, if someone says to you, well, you create your own reality, that's sort of like a slap in the face. Like, well, I was a kid. What do you mean? I did, What did I do? And there's this book, it's called The Little Soul in the Sun. It's written by, I think, David Walsh. He wrote The Conversation yeah. with God. But it's just a children's book, but it's just a really, I think, a really great book for anyone to read who's had any sort of difficult childhood And just understanding that why we go through some of the things that we do, why we come into this life and, and, you know, choose the families that we have and the parents and the experiences at such a small age, because without that, we aren't able to really fully experience the other side of it, which you're starting to see, you know, through that healing and through um, your search for healing how you're seeing the other side and how you're able to now bring people over to the other side who have had similar experiences that you've had. And that when we step back from it all, that everything is really just an experience. You know, it's Mm -hmm. only us who decides whether that was really bad or, you know, to say, I didn't deserve that. Like, I'm a victim of it. And and when you step back and you say, you know, it was just an experience. Like good bad or indifferent. It's just it was just an experience. And detach well, think, yourself from it a little bit.
1: I think it's like you made a great point that this whole idea of coming in and understanding our experiences and what we have to whatever intensity they are. Uh you know when we look at the yin yang symbol and traveling trying to find that void void between the polarities we live in a you a in a world of duality of polarities, and to know the most extreme happiness, you can't understand what that feels like truly until you understand the extreme sadness uh and so what like what you're saying Lisa, with that book is is very spot on in that the only way that we ever can actually experience the, the greatness of love or the greatness of joy is first to experience the other polarity to understand what that feels like that's just the whole um experience of living in this world of duality and i think too you know i i dated a guy who had a pretty truff a pretty rough childhood his um parent his mom was um Schizophrenic and um, um, uh, depressed schizophrenic and um, uh, paranoid and she it really kind of activated while he was a young boy he was the youngest of three kids and he would he would tell me he told me one time that while he he was sleeping his mother was chasing his father through the house with a chainsaw and he came into his room to to escape the mother and and hide with him and so there he had a very traumatic childhood and not to take anything away from that but while we were dating in her 20s it was very different his mother was not like that anymore his father was 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 cold but not you know not the most ideal father but not to the extent of where he was in the childhood and he's an adult now and he kept always reliving uh, and blaming his parents for everything that was going wrong in his life, and it got to the point where, um, you know, I had to say to him like, "Listen, not to take anything away from your trauma, but you were a child and you 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 depended on your parents for everything. They were supposed to take care of you, but now you're an adult and you have what you need to change your path. Like you you can choose differently now." and it becomes this point where when we become adults that we get empowered and we have tools and we can find supportive people and we can start to shift that reality and it's it can it's it's not to take away from any of the trauma that anyone's ever gone through or or speak of the difficulty of overcoming it because shame and grief are two of the most extremely low levels of consciousness and it's extremely difficult to get out of them they they really keep you in a low frequency and it's very hard once you're there and you're trapped in that kind of, um, emotional spin cycle of shame and guilt to get out of it and to convince yourself that, you know, you, you, you do deserve better than that. that You didn't deserve it. And that's why you went through it.
0: I highly recommend this little children's book. That's like a quick, like 10 minute read to anyone, the little soul in the sun. Cause it also gives you the perspective of, you know, we're up in heaven and and we're making decisions of like what we want to experience in this next life. And your, your best friend says, Oh, I'll play the bad guy for you, you know, and say like, I'll play your mother that abuses you for you just so that you can learn to experience the other side. Mm-hmm. But you're going to forget, you know, you're going to forget that I'm playing this and, and it's all about coming to this place where we can look back and say, Oh, okay, this was just an experience and there's really, there's no one to forgive and there's no shame to be had. It was just a, an experience that I decided to play out to, to learn the other side. Yeah. So it, it makes it become less like personal, like it's not about you and you didn't do anything wrong and you're not a bad person. And of course you don't deserve any sort of pain.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm seeing this other spiritual truth, like um, a lot of the spiritual communities assume that, you know, you should be kind of happy and carefree all the time. And everybody's so focused on, um, you know, love and light, love and light. And they, they're afraid of grief or shame or anger. And I, what I'm, I don't know. this came up with my students yesterday because i I think that we try and often push these discomforting feelings away. Um, but they're a part of our life, and for me i'm I'm you know, I've been doing it. I've been pushing the grief away, like kind of running away from the fact that I have these feelings underneath me um, coming through me every time I think of Amanda and, um, spiritually Yeah, And so I'm noticing that when I allow them and just kind of, I have to have to do something internally to kind of find the grace to allow the feelings to arise. But every time I allow myself to touch the grief and it, it, it comes in times when I'm not expecting it, you know, I, I don't know, like it happened driving the other day. I just looked at the this, the mountains a certain way and I could feel her. And all of a sudden I just had this overwhelming sense of missing her. And then, you know, the tears just started flowing um, or I went to talk to my friends and I realized I hadn't seen them since she passed. And then there was just this moment where I mentioned her name and I cracked and I wasn't expecting it, you know? And in those moments when I allow myself to just feel it and stop trying to suppress, um, what always happens is something so beautiful, you know, when I touch down into it, like, it's kind of like deep diving, and I touch the bottom.
0: It's like going into the shadow. Yeah, and
2: I touch the bottom, and I just do it briefly because you know, I've cracked open and I can't, I can't stop the fall. When I touch down into the shadow, um, there's always something that, like some sort of grace and surrender. And I realize on my way back up, you know, to homeostasis, (laughs) um, that that there's something so sweet and beautiful. Like, of course, I don't want to wallow it in. I'm not saying anyone should, like, you know, dive deep and stay down there and like get thrashed around. And I think that's what we're all afraid of, and why we we try to stay above the water all the time and keep things, you know, light. But when we're doing the whole love and light only, <laughs> um, we're missing out on the beauty of of the experience of these polarities and I'm one of my personal practices right now is to just like, enjoy all of it, enjoy the melancholy, enjoy the days that don't feel as energized or when I don't feel as on purpose as I do most of the time, or when I don't feel as, you know, happy and carefree as I do all of the time, and just asking questions and being curious and being okay with the discomfort um, and allowing other people to have it. And I think there's so much judgment. I, I did a 30 day challenge to myself um, after Amanda died, where I showed up for 30 days in my private Facebook group on video without any agenda just so people could see what massive change actually looks like Um, because the spiritual community always whitewashes it in this like uh, everything should look so kind of tidy Um, and and especially a spiritual teacher like should have it all together all the time and and always be this sort of positive at least that's the judgment i think i had (laughs) on my teachers Um, and I think that, you know, it's kind of just somewhat how we're wired. We don't want to see other people's mess. Um, so I did this 30 day challenge just to like expose the ups and downs of my, my day and to show up. And sometimes I would cry and show my grief and it was a really vulnerable experience for me to do that. Um, but I, it helped me strengthen in, in my authenticity and, um, just like being, being human, being in the experience.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, I've, I've been doing a lot of self deep diving work as well. And, and to your point, it's, it's really important to let yourself go there without judgment, you know, and not pretend like you can't feel these things, you know, and just Giving yourself what What I've done that's worked for me is just sort of stepping outside of myself and then watching myself go there without judgment. Like, you know what? I'm going to go feel the pain. I'm going to feel the pain of my broken heart. I'm going to feel the pain of neglect and abandonment. And I'm going to let that be okay. And I'm going to, you know, going in as like a comforter to my inner child and saying, you know, it's okay that you feel this way. And no, you shouldn't have been treated that way. And, and just observing it and not judging yourself for it because those emotions are energy that gets trapped inside of us. And if we keep spiritually bypassing it, it's just gonna keep, we're gonna keep manifesting it in our life as another bad relationship, as another you know lost job or whatever it is until we're willing to go in there and feel it and clear it and just say, wow, this is, you know, this wouldn't reflect in my current life if it weren't something that I'm holding down in my root. And I think it's really you important know, to let just allow yourself to let yourself feel and let it go without judgment.
1: And as a like a massage therapist for the you know, all through my twenties and most of my thirties, we the the way we experiences it as it comes in through these feelings. So the only way it gets out is through the feeling. There's no other way around it. You don't just get to like somehow have it evaporate um, and, and, and not be felt again. The only way we truly get the release and clear the trauma is through the feeling. And so the, they, that's why they always say that the, the healing is in the feeling and allowing ourselves to go there. And at the same time, I'm totally familiar with it, Amalia. It's like, okay, how much do I want to feel right now? Like, how long do I want to spend here? Because you can, get, you can get trapped in there and it can, you can get sucked into this vortex of pain and be afraid of, are you going to get out of it? You know, and like that's and that's the risk of like, you know, some of us we go through like these depressions and things like that. And there are ways that I think we can feel what we're feeling and not necessarily go so deep that we may not come back out. There's no shame there in, you know, taking baby steps or just going with what feels right at that time, like giving yourself time to breathe and process it and then going back in like you don't have to you don't have to go in like a superstar and clear it all out in one go. No, but I find
0: that it's really helpful to not be afraid of the pain, you know, where I'm sure. Tr- oh, yeah, you can't be afraid of You know, and just it. saying, you know what, I'm feeling this right now, and I'm, I, at times, being brave enough to say, I'm going to go, I'm just going to go in. and And I've gone in to where I'm just like... Allowing myself, I have to go like into my car yeah. <laughs> and just allowing myself to scream or I have thrown two-year-old tantrums and just or scream to the point where I've become hoarse and just literally saying, I I'm done with this program, I'm done with holding on to this, and I am releasing it and I'm letting it go. And but but literally having to do some sort of energy release, whether it be, you know, jumping on a trampoline or going for a run or screaming or, or, you know, a punching bag or like something that gets the energy moving out of you and setting the intention that that is what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making the choice, the conscious choice right now to move this energy out of me with no judgment. Like, it's just, this is something that has been stuck in me and I feel it and it's time to let it go.
1: Yeah. And having that acceptance, you were talking about of like, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now. And this is where maybe I need to be. And having the acceptance of just allowing yourself to go there, but also having enough compassion for yourself to know like, okay, I can experience this in whatever way that you're going to experience it. And having the compassion there, I think to know when you're, you know, you've reached some of your limits of what you can handle in that moment or time. And that's going to be different for everyone across the board. It's all dependent on how you're choosing to experience and go through your own healing process. Yeah. So what do
0: you think, Brian, from like a man's point of view? Like how, I mean, women deal with their emotions so much differently than
3: men do. I was just
2: thinking the same thing. I wanted to hear. (laughs) Because I don't think guys actually feel so comfortable like we do.
3: (laughs) We just ignore it. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs)
3: and it'll work itself out what you know I mean I I don't want to I guess maybe ignore is as the, as, as the, as the wrong word I don't think I have conscious intention to deal with that kind of stuff you know I, th- I think you guys are like okay I need to go and you know think about this and you know do a deep dive and sit with it And for me, it just happens when it happens. If I need to deal with something, you know, there it's, it's, I'm gonna, you know, just sit and think about it or go on a long walk and cry. And by the time I'm done with my long walk, I'm done crying for that day and go back to my work. And, um, I I don't know if I've ever really sat down with the intent of, of of healing. It's it's more just it'll heal when it's going to heal, just like a just like a wound. You can't make it. You know, if you get a cut, you can't make it heal faster than it's going to heal. If it gets infected, it's gonna it, it gets infected, and that process is gonna take however long that process is going to take.
1: Well, you can help it or you can hinder it. <laughs> there are things you can do. You can clean out the wound and put some stuff on it to assist it in its healing or you can be. Right,
3: in- but you can't make it, assuming you do everything correctly, you can't make it go faster just because you want it to. It's like I really, there, there an, I yeah, know, there's an, I really you know, look, look at the, 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 the surgery that Amalia just had. You know, I mean, she can't make that heal faster than it's it's going to heal despite, you know, like, wow, I really want this to, you know, be, you know, just a one day thing. And I don't ever want to have to see it. It's going to take, you know, years and years and years for that scar to, to soften and and change and become, you know, really subtle. And you, you, you can't, you can't force that. You can't force the, the creation of scar tissue and the softening of scar
1: tissue. Like grief. No, you're, yeah, like you're right. There's there's an element of passivity in the healing of like letting go and letting things take its course. And but there's also the realization of like there it's like a it's a fine line, you know. There's this there's this dance between am I allowing the healing process to just occur naturally or am I avoiding it in, in some degree, um, you know, where I think we've all been there and done that. So it's it's like a fine line, but I think, you know for many of us, when, like you said, Brian, when the time is right, the time is right. And you know, and things just start to happen when that time is there for the healing to occur.
0: I feel like your, your, your higher self will guide you to the places that you need to go to find the the, healing. The
3: difference for me, I mean, compared to the three of you is you guys are probably having conversations with your higher self to do that. And I'm not, and I don't want to say that's a a, you know a man's perspective it's it's just me i'm not asking my higher self how do i get through this you know i'm not seeking out healing i'm just plodding along and my you know i mean i'm doing what feels right and i'm always amazed that in how i approach life it's very much in line with what you guys talk about but you're doing things Intentionally, and I'm just doing things
0: intuitively. And
3: yeah, maybe, and maybe, maybe that, maybe that's it. And it's and it maybe it's the same thing, but I'm I'm not. (laughs) I think that
2: that men tend to be more relaxed and like allowing about the situation where women can often just be so frantic, like I've got to fix this now, and (laughs) the guys. To be like, it's, mm-hmm. it's fine. Like, that's just what it is. It's going to happen. And I'm appreciating hearing your yeah. perspective.
1: Yeah. True. Definitely. <laughs> that's how Brian is. He just
0: is very, like, takes it one moment at a time. And I feel like you don't judge yourself or anybody else for whatever it is their
3: process is. I can't change. I can't change it. I can't. I can't force anything into my life. I can't change anything in anybody else's life. And what's what's the point in trying? Cuz there you can't.
0: I think and with and with that perspective, it's it's like what you're really doing is really going within and you're just you're allowing and you're surrendering to it, which I think is what a lot of people could learn to do.
3: Well, it's what what you guys were just talking about, but it's, it's so interesting to hear you guys talk about it with all this intention and I'm doing this and Mm -hmm. I'm not doing anything with that kind of intention. I'm just living life and, you know, not like you said, not, not judging and I'm not sitting down saying, okay, I need to, I need to clear this blockage or I need to, you know, think about this you know, trauma or this loss, it's just, it's whatever it is. I think I the
0: reality is when we when we take our hands off the wheel and we do surrender, that that's when the most change happens and the quickest. It's when we're, you know, women, like you said, are like trying to steer it and we're trying to get it to go where we want it to go. And if you just surrender and just like let let go and know that everything's going to be okay. And you don't have to force it down any road. That's where you're going to start to see the biggest changes in your life happen.
2: Yeah. And I I think, you know, the danger in, um, you know, not, not steering at all, or, or just is the people, you know, when we all have this part inside us that is in avoidance, right? Like the when we avoid what's coming up. And I think for people who've had a lot of trauma or just repress all of their feelings, then it ends up turning into cancer or some other illness. Um, You know, I've had my own little health scares here and there, and I'm very aware when I have them that most of the time for me, it's around repressed anger because there was just so much rage from my childhood of being in the situation I was in. I didn't have a way to express my anger in a healthy way because, you know, my boundaries were being abused again and again and again. And, um, you know, I've learned as an adult how to to channel and transmute the anger and, and to fall into the... You know, to touch base with the hurt underneath the anger, and to allow that anger to kind of, um, you know, transmute into like a purposeful mission. But when when I'm not addressing the anger and I, I just kind of hide it, it always shows up in a in a health crisis. Um,
0: yeah, and that's spiritually bypassing it that's what a lot of the spiritual community is doing is they're literally just bypassing it and it keeps popping up in their time, relationships, health, and money. And you're, and you're seeing it as a reflection in your own life. And, you know, surrender and allowance isn't about like, there's no repression in there. It's literally allowing, you know, so you feel angry, it's allowing and surrendering to that anger, Mm -hmm. not any sort of stuffing down pushing, spiritually bypassing, oh, but I understand, you know, they just, they didn't know and they were unconscious and, you know, this is how it was. And then you're completely denying yourself of how you really felt in those moments.
2: Yeah, and I think it's so sneaky. Like, I don't think that we notice that we're doing it, especially people who live in the city. You know, if you don't live in the city and you have a more languid life, I find that, people tend to like, um, move through it or, you know, if they're not busy, but it, for those who keep busy all day long, I think that's where the, um, a lot of the repression can happen. Cause you don't have the time to just let it unwind naturally. Like maybe people aren't taking long walks in the woods. You know, I find that's one of my deepest therapies too. Brian is just like going on a long walk. And then I, I cry it out or I move, I get in nature and I kind of recalibrate and, and allow myself to feel. But I, I noticed when I go into the cities, like people don't have time. They don't think they have time for that or they don't give themselves the time and they don't feel that it's um, appropriate because they have kids they got to feed or they got to, you know, finish work or show up for someone. And I think that's where the danger comes in. So I've just been aware of that, like that. That's how we make ourselves sick.
0: I think it's really important to have just a an extreme heightened sense of awareness of what it is that we're doing. Even it's like those the the addictions that we have that are covering up that allowance. So whether it be, you know, you're starting to feel something, you're triggered and that anger is coming up in you or that sadness is coming up in you. And instead of allowing yourself to feel it, we'll go to like, you know, Facebook or, you know, we'll grab a drink or we'll go smoke a cigarette or we want a piece of chocolate or we're going to call our friend and commiserate about, you know, whatever it is in our life that isn't going well. And all those things are the addictions that we use to actually cover up and bypass going in and feeling what it is that we feel. And and I've realized through my own self-worth work, work, work <laughs> that uh, if I really pay attention, like moment to moment throughout my day of like how I'm feeling and then what that desire is that's coming in to try to bypass me from actually feeling it. And then just stop and let there be space there and say, oh, wow, you know, this this is what I'm doing and this is how I'm bypassing this. And I'm going, you know, if I allow this to continue, I'm just going to keep repressing it, keep pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. And it's until we're that you just you really, really have to pay attention to yourself with the thoughts that you're going in your head, the actions that you're taking and the feelings that you're feeling and start showing up differently in your life. Well,
1: speaking of all of this, you know, this, we've talked about this before on the podcast um, this year, there's a lot of unmasking going on. There's a lot of exposing the things that we want to keep hidden about ourselves or about our past that we don't want to deal with. And we, you know, to take this to a collective level, we're seeing this kind of come out now on the world stage where, you know, with the Jeffrey Epstein um arrest and then um suicide slash murder um you know that's been kind of going on in the news, and it's bringing up a lot of feelings and I've had some conversations with friends or clients that are go- feeling that have had um sexual abuse uh in their past um molestation, things like this, and they're realizing that there there's a lot of anger coming up to the surface, and I'm feeling like. This whole case is a reflection, you know, of what's kind of happening in the collective on an individual basis of this stuff needing to come out now, needing to be exposed, not pretending it doesn't exist anymore. Like people really having to face the reality that there are people who are doing very um disturbing and torturous things that many of us would have psychotic breaks if we actually knew the extent of what has been going on to children um and i'm you know i'm wondering what your thoughts are on this as someone who's been through it uh in in your past in your childhood when you see something like this coming out on the world stage and you see that it's now being brought into the public awareness people who have no idea that this stuff really exists at the scale that it does because the scale is is astronomical what are your what are your feelings on how it's all coming coming out right now
2: it's interesting cuz i there, on one level, I feel a little numb to it all, like nothing's shocking to me. Um, for me, it's like there's a sense of like too little, too late mm-hmm. feeling. Um, and But at the same time, um, you know, there's also the sense of like, well, it's about time and wake up everybody. And, you know, there's some anger in the the slowness of people's Mm -hmm. awareness (laughs) Um, like what did you think was going on like you guys are so blind you know there's this feel I, I have an anger towards people who are shocked by it because it's like for me I've known this since I was a child I've known about the child sex rings and how how the political system and the religious system have been using children and feeding off children i've seen children sacrifice and dealt with that since i was a child so for me it's like an old story that they're now airing um there's also a feeling of relief that i can speak without being attacked um because now there's so many people speaking that you know, for for most of my life, I was terrified into silence. Uh, I wasn't able to share my story because I would have threats on me if I told the secrets. Mm-hmm. You know, so seeing people, seeing brave people come forward to talk, um, really warms my heart and gives me an empowerment and a strength that I've never really felt before. Um, so on that level, I am very, very, very grateful for this coming to light, but I still feel like they're barely touching the surface. Like there's so much more to the story. Um, and I think it's been secret for so long because the the false premise of how people have been running their life, um, the companies they buy into, the way they shop, the way they have their addictions—they don't realize that they're feeding this machine um, and this this program that ha- is kind of the foundation of our societies. Um, so, like the level of disclosure is still so small. Um, but nonetheless, I'm feeling hope that it's, you know, somebody's like got their foot in there and they're cracking open these, uh, windows into that shadow reality that has been governing the world for a very long time. Um, so I, there's a hope, um, I don't really know what it's going to do when it cracks open. Like, I think we're just going to be like living with the disease, more uh, exposed. So I don't know, I think I have a lot of mixed feelings. I think it's changing me. It's just it's definitely changing the what I say and how I speak about my story. I'm becoming more bold um, in sharing.
3: Well, how, how is that any different than, than the personal healing we were, we were just talking about? It's going to take the amount of time it's going to take, right?
2: Yeah,
0: right. And it's about awareness. I think looking at this from a neutral, you know, it's important that we don't give energy to the dark side so much because what we focus our energy on, we're only going to perpetuate, you know. It's about bringing awareness and and giving people that space to feel safe to expose and to talk and to be transparent and to be real but it's i think with things like this in the news it's it's a fine line between jumping into that like anger and bashing and giving that type of negative energy to something because if we continue to do that we're only going to build momentum for that
2: yeah yeah it's tricky i find myself um sort of watching watching it like you were saying lisa like in this um kind of detached perspective like oh okay so the people are finally seeing the disease that has been running our societies for so long and how are they going to react to it and what i'm seeing and noticing is like a lot of people um getting very enticed by the shadow so i'm seeing a lot of kind of overt sexuality that I've never seen before like it coming to the surface like perversions and um people being okay with like different sexual explorations like in this pervasive way and I don't know if it's just what I'm paying attention to but I don't remember like this kind of perverse sexuality being so um accepted before um so there's like that thing. like <laughs> porn is everywhere sex shops are everywhere and i'm like oh huh oh just
0: um, television and movies and commercials and just yeah actually that for sure yes,
2: like and bondage is now like in style like random people are just wearing the fashion um it's fascinating to me. So it's kind of this liberation, but that, you know, we talked in the last podcast about the parasite and stuff. So I'm always tracking that. Um, Like how it feeds off of the, the disease of the sexuality, like the, the distortions. Um, But I do feel like inevitably we are returning to love and that, that love is, grounding on the planet and I'm my focus is there and how do we return to love and bring love into these situations that are so dark and twisted but I can see individually with people that a lot of people are getting conflicted and so enticed by the darkness and feeling like a liberation around these perversions that I I think a lot of people don't even know that they were sexually abused as a child because the way we shut down our memories, um, but maybe it's coming out in some, you know, perverse sexual uh, kinks that they have. And now they're having permission to explore that, which I think is really good and positive. Um, but now it's like the, I feel like the healing has begun. Like we're finally starting to see it. And, and now we can actually heal it because we're accepting that it's there.
0: The pendulum has to swing the other way. We we've, we've talked about this so many times on the show in different areas and how they're playing out in the collective consciousness and and it's the same with this. It's just like the pendulum's going to swing completely the other way and then we'll be able to come back to center.
1: Yeah. 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 Definitely. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's it's there's there's a lot of that going on where and I know it's it's very difficult sometimes for people to not get their emotions involved in these types of um these types of uh situations and what's kind of being brought to the surface, but it's really important to stay grounded and it it's not about putting your head in the sand and pretending it doesn't exist, but also be bringing in that awareness without having to go into the darkness. Like you were saying before, Lisa, like it's important to be aware of it and to not avoid it, but it doesn't mean that you have to go all the way into the darkness and take part in the, um, well, what some might think is like the, the heroic action of bashing, say, one side over the other because you're sticking up for the, you know, you're sticking up for the, the side of good or the side of, of love or wh- however, you know, anyone wants to say it, but how we, how we behave and how we choose to, um, how we choose to heal from this and move through it and um, move beyond it says a lot about, I think, how fast we'll be able to go through it and the, uh, you know, there's a lot of extra healing that can be needed, more trauma created if we engage in the very thing that we're trying to, um, heal. Okay. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like an anti, it's like an anti-war rally. You're only
0: bringing more energy to war. You know, if you're going to be out there rallying, it needs to be, you need to be
1: rallying for peace. So, yeah, Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and and, it, and it's difficult, but it's definitely, you know, with everything that's kind of coming out, I just see it as it's needed. And, and I can completely understand, Amalia, how it can be very frustrating for someone who's been through it and seen it before their eyes live through it to to look at people and say, how do you not know? How do you not see it? It's right under your nose. And the reality is it is under your nose, but we're so programmed to not be aware. So many of us are programmed not to be aware. And I think this is the thing that's starting to wake people up and which is a very good thing. And, um, but it's just interesting. Cause I see that so many of us go through our own individual healing, but you can see it reflected in the collective as well as how the collective is going through it on a, on a ma- on a macro level, as opposed to the micro level within yeah, ourselves.
3: It's
1: interesting. Yeah, interesting. So Amalia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and, um, sharing all of that with, with us. It's, you know, what you're going through is a very tender healing journey. So we appreciate you sharing that side with us and also the wisdom that comes with that. And a lot of, uh, well wishes and success to the next part of your journey. Yeah. And I'm actually, um,
2: taking a group of people to India. I haven't been back in India in five years. I used to live there. I think I've shared before um, for eight years. So I'm taking a group to India in November um, to do some past life memory and kind of explore the ancient sites. And and there's some ET um, ruins there that are really mind blowing experiences and we're going to be on a wildlife reserve it's really exciting so for you guys or anyone else who wants to come yeah very cool uh, that's still open yeah so it's open
1: pe- yeah. more people could come it's happening great and so people can go to yeah, know know-the-self. self.com
2: india will take you straight to the retreat page um And yeah, anyone who's been interested in going to India, but maybe has been scared, we have the resort there that we're staying at. I actually built with my own hands. Uh, I planted the garden. It's all organic food. It's um, a really, really beautiful, luxurious place to be that um, most people in India don't even know about. And it's very exclusive and very powerful and it's straight it's in humpy india which is like right at the south in the center um it's a unesco world heritage site but a lot of people don't know about it it was the Vijayanagar nagar empire um there's uh wild leopards and bears and crocodiles and otters and bird sanctuary and we're going to be on safari and it's really exciting it's not like the India most people think about. It's like the old, ancient, um, royal luxury that you imagine India once was. It still exists in this place. So
1: That sounds so exciting. Yeah, it sounds completely different than what we are usually shown or told about India. So for any of our listeners who would like to join Amalia or get more information, please head on over to her website, knowtheself.com slash India. And if uh, there's anything else that you need to find out about her, all that information's on her website. Amalea, thanks so much for coming on the show and many wishes of success to you on your journey.
0: Thank you all for joining our show. We appreciate you tuning in and supporting us. If any of you have any questions you would like answered on the show or any guests that you would like to hear on our show, please email that information to us at info at enlightenup.us or send us a voice message using the Anchor app. There's a super cool feature on there that allows you to send us a message or ask us a question with a touch of a button right from the app. And please continue to support us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you haven't checked out Nicole's channel on YouTube yet, head on over there for some more insight from her, or you can visit her website inflexibleme.com, where you can book a personal coaching session or a tarot reading, watch some of her most informative videos, or you can sign up for her newsletter. And if you're interested in some light language healing, head to my YouTube channel, Lisa Loves Love, or send me an email to lisa at lisaloveslove.com to inquire about your own personal reading. Thank you again for joining us and supporting us, and we'll be back with you all next week.